Hi, I'm Debbie Georgianis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about the Golden Globe takedown. Did it matter? Killing evil is good. The death of Soleimani. Leftism as poison in the 2020 elections. And hashtag not my women's march. Hashtag feminexit. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. <clears throat> Hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk. Okay, folks, we are doing this show remotely. We are visiting family in California, and this is not a real studio, but I'm doing the show, and this is all about saving America like the show always is. Well, some of you may have enjoyed watching the Golden Globes. Maybe you didn't enjoy it, but you did watch. There was at least one um, aspect of the Golden Globes I think many, many people on the conservative side were thrilled to see, and that was some of the remarks made by the host of Golden Globes probably the last time he'll host the Golden Globes, uh, Ricky Gervais. Go ahead, if you would, please. Matt the Wonderful, back in Dallas, play that clip. And welcome to the 77th Annual Golden Globe Awards, live from the Beverly Hilton Hotel here in Los Angeles. I'm Ricky Gervais, thank you. Um, you'll, you'll be pleased to know this is the last time I'm hosting these awards, so I don't care anymore. Um, I'm joking, I never did. But you all look lovely, all doled up. You came here in your limos. I came here in a limo tonight and the license plate was made by Felicity Huffman. So, spoiler alert, um, season two is on the way. So in the end, he obviously didn't kill himself. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> Shut up. I know he's your friend, but I don't care. <laughs> if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So, if you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God. And so... Let me fill in the blank without saying any bad words. What he said and the part they blanked out there was it come up, accept your little award tonight, come up, accept it, thank your agent and your God, and then F off. No one cares about your views on politics or culture. Well, I have to say, if you peruse the internet very often, you saw that many, many conservatives were cheering and clapping for this kind of put down coming from the stage at the Golden Globes and spoken to literally a room full of left-wing Hollywood activists. There are a tiny percent of them who aren't left-wing, but the vast majority left-wing Hollywood activists who not only happen to hold left-wing views, but who spout them at media conferences all the time, weigh in on topics about which they have no knowledge of any kind, but because of their position in Hollywood, they are quoted in the media. And that's the point I want to make about this in this first five today. These people truly do not know anything about most of the issues on which they express public opinions. A lot of us enjoyed hearing Ricky Gervais tell him so on stage. They couldn't do a thing about it, really putting them all down, mocking Thunberg at the same time he was mocking them. 
But I think the real value of this and why I appreciate that he had the nerve to do it is number one, most of the pontificating from the stage at Golden Globes in the past, not that I watched, but I read about it the next day, most of the pontificating is, is leftist pontificating. Leftist, you know, complaints about President Trump, complaints about conservatives, complaints about anything they can think of that is anything associated with America. So it's nice to have someone on stage actually poking at them and pointing out the absurdity of their political opinions. But his remarks were really most valuable to the millions of Americans who tuned in who may not realize how radically opinionated as well as uninformed Hollywood is. And that's really the value of it. I hope some people listening to those Golden Globes last night who may have thought, wow, I know what Tom Hanks thinks about X, so I'm informed because I know Tom Hanks' view. The idea that they tuned in and saw that audience have to react and hear what this man had to say, I think was very helpful. You know, when you think about how the media covers Hollywood, I mean, literally, they quote opinions by, you know, political science experts and foreign policy experts and military policy experts like, you know, Jennifer Aniston and other leftists and do it with a straight and solemn face, especially uh, if the opinions are anti-American, anti-conservative, anti-Republican, anti-Trump. So the idea that this guy stood in that stage, made those points, really called out all of Hollywood as, you know, just ridiculous level expressing opinions about which they have absolutely no knowledge was a great thing. And you may be, if you're the kind of person who listens to my show, you probably also read a lot of websites and learn information and get your facts straight and understand, you know, the issues facing America. But there really is an entire subculture of America who pretty much gathers their news from Facebook, Hollywood gossip magazines and gossip columns online, and whatever the latest Hollywood star said. So to me, any opportunity when you had all those lefties tuned in to watch the Golden Globes to hear someone who spoke in a very eloquent and articulate way, basically saying, these people know nothing. And I will say one last point in wrapping up my first five for today. It is true that everyone in the United States of America, even including in Hollywood, they have the right to free speech. I've heard people who defend Hollywood complain when conservatives are critical of people in Hollywood and saying, why don't they just shut up? They're idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. You know, they don't have to shut up. They're allowed to talk. They're allowed to talk just like Tea Party leaders are around this country, just like conservative officials in Washington are, just like every person has in this country. We all have the right to free speech. They don't have the right to spout off and block or silence criticism of them. And this is really when people defend Hollywood and they say, hey, they have the right to free, to free speech too. No one's arresting them. Of course they have the right to free speech. They just don't have the right to speak without being the recipient of criticism by people who don't like what they said. So great, you know, kind of great fun for conservatives, those who watch the Golden Globes to hear this kind of you know, straight talk from the stage. Uh, the guy, as he says, he's probably not going to get this job again. It was great fun. But really, I will say the small benefit I hope, the maybe silver lining is, maybe some people tuned into this last night for the first time realized that not everyone thinks that Tom Hanks, Jennifer Aniston, and other leftists in Hollywood actually have anything relevant to say about policy in America. And that, my friend, is today five. Well, the nation has been filled with 
talk and and you know just kind of reactions across the, uh, of the from the fact that the United States actually um, enforced a death penalty an Iranian official. And you know this is an interesting story to share with you because uh, there's so many facets to it, and I realize playing today's show that I could pretty much talk about this story the whole time, like the whole uh, 45 minutes of this show, 50 minutes, but I really can't, but I wanna hit some high points of the story. Uh, number one, uh, you likely know that the gentleman who was killed uh, by American forces, Soleimani, uh, is an Iranian official. Um, he was, um, he's, he's actually a general in the Iranian military, General Qasem Soleimani. I wanna tell you a little bit about him and a little bit about Iran in just a moment. But first, I want to start with this. There are people in Washington, I'm talking members of the Senate, members of the U.S. House, who are radically upset, deeply offended, that President Trump engaged in this order of the killing of Soleimani, killed in Baghdad, actually, the, you know, uh, by a drone, but the killing of him without the permission of Congress ahead of time. So there are many places I can go with this, but I want to start by just pointing out that the uh, former uh, Jay Johnson, J-E-H, Jay Johnson from the Obama administration, uh, and he weighed in in an interview This did not make the left happy. I want to ask Matt the Wonderful back in Dallas to play this clip from Jay uh, Johnson being interviewed talking about whether or not President Trump was within his authority ordering the killing of this Iranian official. Do we have Jay Johnson? If you believe everything that our government is saying about General Soleimani, he was a lawful military objective. Mm -hmm. And uh, the president, under his constitutional authority as commander in chief, had ample domestic legal authority to, to take him out without an additional congressional authorization. Um, the whether he was a terrorist mm -hmm. or a general in a military force that was engaged in armed attacks against our people. He was a lawful military objective. Okay. This is probably uh, a, such a sad thing for leftists in Washington to watch because this is the, this is Jay Johnson, Obama official, basically saying, of course, President Trump had the right to take out this guy. But I want to talk through some of the various aspects of this, starting with who the country of Iran is, what Iran is. The Iranian official who was killed by American forces or by this drone uh, over the weekend is representing a country, the country of Iran, which has from the founding of the current, you know, the uh, current Islamic supremacist country, the, uh, the after the revolution, 1979, and Iran became the Iranian revolutionary, uh, you know, they, they overthrew the Shah and they, they put in place the Iranian government we now have, which is a, you know, just a Islamic terror machine posing as a country. Iran is number one, the largest terror exporting country in the world. Number two, in Iran, the very constitution itself says the country is dedicated to following the commands of the Quran to force the Islamization of the world. These aren't is these what I'm saying are not the exact words, but this is the gist of what the constitution of Iran says. The purpose of the country, its very existence, its purpose is to push 
Islamization to force Islam onto the world. Iran does not fund all sorts of terror groups around the world because they chose to, based on some policy that their government passed last year. It is in the founding purpose of the country, like America has a founding purpose in our Declaration of Independence and in our Constitution, the idea that we, we are a country based on individual liberty and the right of each individual to live in freedom and to live in this country with a government that protects your rights. That's the idea of America. The idea of Iran is to impose Islam on the world. It's in their constitution. They fund foreign terror groups spreading Islam via terror because that's what their constitution says they have to do. Part of what happened under the Obama years and, and before and after him, but the Obama years was this mentality that somehow America could continue to deal with Iran as though they were rational. This is what gave President Obama or the thinking behind his willingness to create the Iranian nuclear deal with Iran, to negotiate with the mullahs and the crazies from Iran and come up with the Iranian nuclear deal. And somehow, because we sat down with these people and explained to them, we really don't want them to have nuclear weapons. And we really are going to try to help them many, many ways if they'll just not develop nuclear weapons, we, America, and the other countries that negotiate along with America, with the Iranians, we treated the Iranian government as though that is what they really meant to say. It was like a big pretend. The Obama administration, whatever you believe President Obama's personal religion to be, the Obama administration treated Iran from the start as though you sh they could be dealt with as you would some nation rooted in rationality, rooted in kind of the common international understanding that countries mostly in the world have, which is countries recognize the legitimacy of other countries and the right in other countries of people to live under their sovereign government. This notion of respecting other countries, having a sovereign right to create their own country, to, to run their own country based on their values. This is a widely shared view within the international community. Not so in Iran and frankly, not so within some other Islamic majority countries. So we started in Iran, this idea that we're gonna have the Iranian deal and everything's gonna be fine, don't worry. We're gonna, you know, they promised not to create nuclear weapons. And so we're gonna continue and we're gonna send money to them as we all know, billions, B as in boy, billions of dollars sent over to Iran on pallets of cash at night by the Obama administration, and we assumed, or we tried to say to the world, don't worry, they're not going to use this to fund terror. You have to get this point about Iran. They will always fund terror until the Islamic regime is overthrown. They will because it's what their constitution says they must do. There is no intermediary way, there is no unique way that we can deal with Iran as a logical nation given the constitution they have. Iran's constitution, by the way, is available on my website, americacanwetalk.org, on our homepage of our website, um, under shows, drop down, list of links. You can go to the links of all the stories I'm going to read you today. But getting this fundamental point about Iran, getting this notion that until this regime is overthrown, 
this regime born out of, created by this constitution in 1979, they will always fund terror. They will always be a threat to us. We cannot treat them like a rational country. Once you get that concept, you think differently about how it is we go about dealing with Iranian terrorists, such as the gentleman who's no longer with us, Qassem Soleimani. So understanding that the, the, uh, the leftists in this country, including many people in Washington who, who fancy themselves elites, the leftists in this country have been saying, you know, we, that President Trump might have provoked a war here. We might be headed toward dangerous times because President Trump took out a, a senior is, uh, Iranian official, a senior leader. He was the, in fact, he's the former uh, Quds Force. Uh, he, he led the Quds Force, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. Um, understanding this guy was not a small player. He, he was a major, major player. He has been one of the orchestrators behind the scenes in Iran of planting IEDs that have maimed and killed hundreds and hundreds of Americans, as well as people from other countries. The guy is a, he wasn't just your average Joe military guy. He's a leader. He's a strategist. He's an Iranian hater, meaning he embraces the Islamic Iranian constitution that is determined to take out, to, to kill people who oppose the Iranian regime, to participate in the ongoing Islamization of the world. That's who this guy was. So we have the number one, Iran will never stop. They'll never, ever stop until they understand that, that they're meeting brute force. The fact that we killed this guy, so Iran has, of course, reacted uh, with outrage and uh, they're going to, they're threatening all sorts of force. And they're going to do bad things to America. Really, in some ways, nothing has changed. The Iranians are always looking for a way to dominate America and Western cultures and even other Islamic countries around them, Iran being Shia. You know, they're Shia Muslims. They certainly don't like the, the uh, Sunni Muslims and they don't like anybody else really. And so they're always going to be about that kind of killing. But the our argument of the leftists in Washington that President Trump launched this off with no plan in mind, this is what the left always does when they don't have a good answer to the reality that a president on uh, the conservative side, a Republican, has done something really strong and really good. Now, to be clear, President Trump took out, as you heard Jay Johnson say a moment ago, President Trump took out a guy who was a military leader. He's a legitimate target of American forces, as was Osama bin Laden. And if you think back to the time when President Obama was president, he was willing, out, willing to use American forces to take out and kill Osama bin Laden. You did not hear the same chorus, echo of chorus in Washington, this left-wing chorus saying, oh my gosh, Obama's out of control. How could he do this? this? is terrible. Obama took out Osama bin Laden because he was a bad actor and a threat to America and a leader in the forces of Islam against America, as was this guy. Which leads me to one story I want to mention in particular about this story. So um, the, sen the great senator from the great state of Texas, my home state, uh, Senator Ted Cruz, has introduced a Senate resolution. And I got to tell you, I love this. I, I love it because it's strategic. And I love it because it's forceful. It is a showing America's leader. So Senator Cruz has introduced a resolution in the Senate. And it is worded, it's taken the wording of a resolution that passed in the Senate 100 to nothing 
to express support when President Obama took out Osama bin Laden and Senator Cruz is saying, let's do the same thing here and praise President Trump for taking out this Iranian terrorist leader, Qassem Soleimani. So Pres Senator Cruz has parroted, you know, paralleled the language of what the Senate just jumped on board to sign when the, uh, the Obama administration took out Osama bin Laden. So Senator Cruz is saying, hey, well, let's do the same thing here. You know, same kind of thing. We've got these crazy Islamic terrorists that want to hurt us. We've got a president standing up. So you have Senator Cruz has uh, come up with this resolution. What's kind of funny about it is, is putting the Democrats into a, uh, into a bit of a box and a bit of a squeeze. Because actually most Americans do not want to have our country terrorized by Islamic terrorists of any kind. Shia, Sunni, Wahhabi, Americans do not want to see Islamic terror in this country. Americans want to see our country standing up and fighting against Islamic terror. So Senator Cruz is saying, hey, you know, Democrats, Republicans, we're all on board for this, right? All of us want to have this, um, you know, this guy, this uh, guy taken out. Of course we do. Why wouldn't we? And here you have it. So he's got this resolution going and, you know, it, it's too early to say what the Senate's going to do with it. But he has ended up in a bit of a Twitter battle, a, a back and forth tweet battle with a member of the U.S. House, Ilhan Omar. Now, we talked about her a lot of times in the show, Ilhan Omar. You know, she's a Democrat member of the U.S. House representing uh, a small area in Minneapolis, the state of Minnesota. Um, and she is a Somalian refugee. And she's not, by the way, I should be clear. Iran is a Shia Muslim country, as is Iraq. But she is from Somalia. Somalia is like 99% or something like that um, Sunni. So they, they are not Shia Muslims. But she, Ilhan Omar, has been, of course, very critical of President Trump agreeing and executing the order to take out this enormously horrific terrorist whose conduct has been, has caused the death and maiming of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Americans. Ilhan Omar was against this, though, against President Trump killing him. So I wanted to have a few little tweets for your pleasure. Um, one was uh, Ilhan Omar was... Uh, criticizing uh, Senator Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, for wanting to have a resolution saying, yeah, we're calling in this. We want to praise, um, you know, we want to praise this guy. In fact, I'll tell you Senator, what Senator Cruz had to say was a really great point he made in one of his tweets. This is Senator Cruz saying, according to the Obama Department of Defense, Qasem Soleimani, the guy that Trump just took out, Qasem Soleimani was a terrorist directly responsible for the murder of over 500 U.S. servicemen and women. Why, this is still Ted Cruz's tweet, why are congressional Democrats outraged that he's finally dead? He's pointing out, hey, even Obama's Defense Department recognized this guy was a vicious, murderous terrorist. So Cruz is saying, you know, of course this is what he is, and Obama's Defense Department admitted it, and yet you somehow have Democrats in Washington complaining, whining, moaning, and hand-wringing over the idea we finally took out this bad guy. And so Ilhan Omar had tweeted, so what if Trump wants war, knows this leads to war, and needs a distraction? Real question is, will those with congressional authority step in and stop him? I know I will. So she's complaining. A member of the United States Congress 
is complaining that the president used his rightful presidential authority to kill an Islamic terrorist, an Iranian Islamic terrorist, who has been, according to her, to Obama, has been the cause of, brought about the death of over 500 U.S. servicemen and women. So you have to ask yourself, is Ilhan Omar, whose team is she playing for? Now, she's trying to say, I'm not really against killing terrorists. Oh, no, no. I'm just worried about President Trump. I'm not too sure about him. But, you know, in fact, Ilhan Omar went on to say, we're outraged the president would assassinate a foreign official. She's calling, she's giving dignity to the country of Iran that counts as it's a foreign official, a murderous terrorist. And she's saying the reason that you can't go killing this Qassam Soleimani is because he's an Iranian foreign official. Duh, yes, he is. Let me finish her tweet. We are outraged that the president would assassinate a foreign official, possibly setting off another war without congressional authorization and has zero plan to deal with the consequences. So, I mean, I could go on on reading these, this Twitter exchange, but understand Ilhan Omar is so sympathetic to Islam, is so dedicated first and foremost in her head to Islam that she's outraged that the president would use our military forces to take out a guy who has killed them responsible for the death of at least 500 U.S. military men and women. This is what she's bothered by, that he dared to do this, that he actually dared to do the taking out this guy. You know, a couple other points. Is I, I just I think this is a really, really important time. Very proud of Senator Cruz for putting it out there and let the Democrats say, because these same Democrats, you know, had nothing but praise for President Obama when he took out Osama bin Laden. And the idea, if the Democrats are trying to argue, and maybe this is what they're trying to argue, that, hey, you know, uh, who's to say this guy's a bad guy? You know, he's just an Iranian official. But it goes back to the point I was making at the start. When you pay attention to the issue of who and what Iran is, you have to understand the Iranian government itself is committed to jihad. The constitution of Iran commits the country to engage in jihad. Iran has been at war with America, with Israel, with Western civilization since the very moment that constitution went into effect. So Ilhan Omar either knows this and is kind of on their side and are sympathetic or doesn't know it so she can't figure out why would the president go after this guy. Either way, this is a president actually doing and acting in a way, which is the only way Islamic terrorists, the only thing Islamic terrorists ever have in mind is the idea that the, the terrorists have in mind the idea they're going to force Islam on the world. Iran has jihad woven into its constitution and the idea that President Trump would take out a major actor, a major killer of American forces offends the left. This is this is truly um, amazing. I want one little point about this whole situation. You may have been reading that. So you realize this attack on this Iranian official actually happened in Baghdad. And so there was a big story going around that the American action had so outraged the Iraqi government. Now I'm on to Iraq now. 
that the American action had so outraged the Iraqi government that the Iraqi parliament passed a resolution saying all American forces had to leave Iraq. That's what the headline was. But let me explain something that is just, it's, it's very misleading headline, all those headlines you've read. Let me explain a couple of things that, that really, really matter about this. Because I, I know a lot, of, and a lot of Americans are thinking, we Americans, we shed American blood in Iraq. We worked in Iraq to help free them from Saddam Hussein, to bring some semblance of order to the country, you know, with the nation building, which I'm not a fan of, but under, I'm making the point that in Iraq, we shed American blood to help build up a supposedly better nation. And then you have in Iraq, you have the, the parliament of Iraq saying that they're going, they're passing a resolution asking American troops to leave. A couple of things to understand about that. Number one, the resolution actually asked for all foreign troops to leave. So it wasn't just American, which is a very big difference. But number two, and more important, understand that the Iraqi parliament was did pass this resolution, but they passed it with barely able, they barely had a quorum, meaning so few members of the Iraqi parliament were willing to show up this day to vote on this resolution because they're just afraid, as afraid of the Iranians as everybody else. And so in this Iraqi thing, of the 329 lawmakers making up the Iraqi parliament, 329, only 173 showed up to vote for it. So, I mean, that's a quorum and their rules, I can make the rules about quorum, but that was the quorum. We like to say, this is not the will necessarily, the real, the full, the whole Iraqi government, but the people who dared to show up did say that. Um, also, you have to understand nearly all of those uh, who supported this, uh, the Iraqi, um, see, the Kurd and Sunni legislators, yeah, you got to understand this piece too, because within Iran, within Islam, there's endless tribalism, tribalism within the religion of Islam. So the Sunni members of the parliament didn't even show up for the vote, did show up or mostly Shia, the same faction of Islam as is the guy who was killed. The, the, and so understand again, this is the Shia Muslims in Iraq, members of parliament complaining about how the, uh, the Shia uh, murderous bad guy was finally put out, the Kurd, K-U-R-D Kurd members and the Shiite members, Sunni members of the um, Iraqi uh, parliament uh, did not show up. I think, you know, the end of the story on this, we could do so much more detail on this. It's a story to watch. I'm probably going to have one or more Middle East experts on the next couple of weeks talking about this situation. But I do want to stress that this panic in Washington, this alleged concern that Trump might really mean something terrible and bad, and he might be really, really harming us. What President Trump did was send a message to the crazy Islamic jihadist terrorists that constitute the government of Iran that we're not going to keep up, we're not going to keep putting up with, we're not going to continue to tolerate your terrorist actions. This is America 
finally recognizing, and you know, the broader, I guess I do have one last big point I want to make before we get off this topic, and that is this. In this particular case, America's forces took out Qusam Soleimani. That's good. I mean, bad, bad guy, you know, good riddance, glad he's gone. But the larger thing that happened was in the Middle East, filled with Iranians who fund all sorts of terrorist groups, the, the Hezbollah, and just the, you know, we've been through all those groups a hundred times in the show, we list them all, where they're from. Most of the Islamic terror groups, many of them in the Middle East are funded by Iran. They are acting as proxies for the country of Iran in all that they are doing. What President Trump succeeded in doing with his one action was letting those people know that you might think you're safe tooling around the Middle East and engaging in terrorism and attacking innocent people, but you better start worrying about what's coming out of the sky. You better start worrying because America is not going to put up with this anymore. The only thing people driven by the jihadist determination to spread Islam by force, to engage in violence for the purpose of spreading Islam, the only thing they understand is brute force. While many of them are willing to engage in suicide attacks, you know, they're willing to, to you know, blow themselves up. Not everybody out there as a tough guy fighter on behalf of the jihadist Iranian regime really wants to have his life ended like Qasem Soleimani. There is a great benefit to America to have more of the people who've embraced this Islamic jihadist mentality to think, I don't want to end up like him. I see America is going to fight back. I want to live. I would like to have a life. And I can understand President Trump is president and he is going to do this. And we had better be on our guard. You know, I was going to run through before I wrapped up on this topic, uh, a bunch of clips. I have a bunch of clips from uh, various, uh, I mean, I don't have them all ready for today, but I read a bunch and listened to a bunch this morning, uh, a bunch of clips from different people who are actually Elizabeth Warren being one good example. Elizabeth Warren actually calling into question whether or not President Trump's um, timing of this killing of this uh, Soleimani guy was really all designed to distract attention from the impeachment. Okay. In addition to the fact that she is a radical leftist, she's just as socialist as Bernie Sanders, and that she's a perpetual liar, for her to say in a speech that maybe President Trump went after this guy who's killed over 500, according to Obama, over 500 U.S. military men and women. For her to say in his speech, maybe Trump did this just to distract attention from the impeachment is so flaming out of touch, so flaming out of touch that she's almost proven herself not mentally stable. That is a crazy thing for her to say. America would like nothing more than to get out of the Middle East, to leave the Islamic world to themselves, 
America is never going to try to solve, you know, the problem of all Islamic terror. They're never going to try to solve the problems between the Sunnis and the Shias and the Wahhabis and Kurds and everybody else. You know, America can't do that. But America is going to send the message to these people, such as Soleimani, Qassam Soleimani, that and, and people who want to engage in terrorism like he does, they're going to send the message, we are going to fight. The idea that Elizabeth Warren actually thought it constituted rational assessment of anything, she's an embarrassment as a candidate for president. She's an embarrassment. And the very last point in this topic, because I really have a couple of topics I want to hit, but the very last topic on this is, so, um, you know, Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick, who, you know, made his fame by wouldn't stand up uh, during, at, at NFL games during the national anthem, wouldn't salute the flag, you know, his whole protest, and he's gone down, 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 and, you know, he doesn't have a place to play, and he, you know, staged some big attempt to come back, and, you know, the, the teams in the NFL were not interested in him, but I want to just tell you what his take was, what he actually tweeted and said about America taking out an Islamic terrorist who happened to have an official position in the jihadist government of the country of Iran, who is responsible for the deaths of at least 500 U.S. military men and women, plenty of whom I'm going to guess were, you know, were, they were black, brown, white, they're all different ethnicities, races, national origins, all different skin color. But Colin Kaepernick fixated on skin color, actually tweeted his response to what President Trump did was a tweet that said, uh, there is nothing new about American terrorist attacks against black and brown people for the expansion of American imperialism. He went on, America has always sanctioned and besieged black and brown bodies, both at home and abroad. American militarism is the weapon wielded by American imperialism to enforce its policing and plundering of the non-white world. People, the fact that there's a guy who actually thinks that's true is kind of a sad enough commentary on America. Sad enough, he actually thinks that is a rational thing to say. He sees the world in such black and white terms that he cannot factor, he can't factor in, he can't fathom that there is an ideology such as Islam that is determined to destroy everything in its, in its wake, that the country of Iran is committed to jihad in its constitution. He can't fathom that. He assumes everything America does must somehow be tied to this racism he tries to, he tries to claim exists rampantly in America, that racism drove our willingness to take out this guy, Qassam Soleimani, who himself had killed hundreds of black and white and brown Americans. I mean, I, he's obviously not a serious commentator. He's not a serious thinker. He's just a, you know, just end of the day, 
He lives and moves and determined more than anything else in his life to be sure to be putting down America and claiming America's imperialist. But seriously, in this particular note, my final parting shot on this topic and on him is how in the world Nike, an American company that depends on American and international buyers, stands by him as their spokesman when he makes such irrationally irresponsible, outrageous, false statements about the brave American military comprised of all races, religions, ethnicities, and skin colors, the American military acting to defend American interests, and he sees it as a perpetuation of American imperialism. The guy, he's an embarrassment and he doesn't know it, but worse, it appears the people at Nike don't know it either. I'm gonna hit two other topics. I can see up my time race by today, like it always does, but it's such a big story and there are really many more pieces we could have shared, but I, I, I wanna have all of us really paying attention to this story, understanding who this guy was, understanding how irrational the Democrat party's opposition to President Trump's action really is. But I wanna to turn to this, just kind of, I call this topic leftism as poison. And I really wanna just think a little bit about the 2020 elections. We are going to have less than a year away now. I think the election day is November 3rd. Election day is November 3rd, I believe, 2020. We're going to have elections in this country in which we decide between President Trump and whoever ultimately manages to win the Democrat primary. Now, I will say, by the way, the Democrats are starting to openly acknowledge they're very concerned that even after their Super Tuesday, their big primary Tuesday in March, that they won't have a clear nominee. They're very worried about this. They're not going to have a nominee who has actually, you know, uh, won um, the entire, um, uh, you know, primary. So they're going to have to go to the convention. We talked about this before, a brokered convention, divided convention. They're probably going to have to bring in somebody new because most Americans can't get behind any one of the particular candidates. I know Biden is polling highest. Biden is still polling by highest. I cannot believe the parties that be, in the, the, the powers that be in the Democrat Party are going to let Joe Biden get the nomination. He's not mentally together. And the last thing the radical left could stand in their nominee is an old white guy. Bernie Sanders at least is an old white guy who's a radical socialist. He may be, he's, in, he's actually coming up again in second place. Elizabeth Warren's dropping down, whoever they emerge with. I just wanna to get to this point about the 2020 elections. One thing that when you and you speak up in your political activism, when you listen to candidates, when candidates think through what they're gonna talk about, what are their, their uh, talking points gonna be? What are their, their mission gonna be? What's their, you know, what are they gonna say are their top things? It would be wonderful if more and more Americans would simply begin to recognize where we are in 2020 is that we are in a place of deciding whether or not the people who run this country, whether or not we're going to have a radical anti-American person, which is everyone on the American left, radically anti-American, radically anti-free market, radically anti-borders, which means radically anti-sovereignty, or are we going to have America? It's not an election between Democrat versus Republican. It's America, it's a not America 
or America. And thinking about the poison that the, the left has inflicted on this country through leftism, I want to just run through a laundry list, a short laundry list of the poison the left has inflicted on this country. And by the way, again, the stories I talk about and the, the uh, links to, you can read details, are at my website, americacanwetalk.org, homepage under shows, list of links. If you take the top 25 cities in this country, the leaders in poverty, leaders in crime, leaders in dropout rates, no education, poor education, leaders in high taxes, leaders in terrible unemployment numbers, meaning high unemployment or low employment numbers, the single uniting factor is Democrat Party governance. The GOP should run on just this, the Democrat policies poison the culture of America. They, cult, they poison the culture of believing in the goodness of America. The anti-Americanism you hear in Colin Kaepernick's tweet and you hear from Ilhan Omar, this is standard fare in the Democrat party. This is standard talking points on the Democrat side. The American left is profoundly anti-American. They will destroy borders, sovereignty. They will destroy the idea of citizenship. They'll destroy the American military and our ability to defend ourselves as they played social experiment with the American military's policies. Fortunately, Trump came along and he's fixing that. We had the poison of the American left infiltrating the whole concept of family, of the nuclear family unit, of a mom and dad raising children, and the poison of the American left trying to claim that any two people happen to be a family and any kind of concoction of a home life that people happen to create is really a family. And then on top of that, all you really need is the US government you know, being the uh, village that raises the children and you have government running everything. The left has destroyed on issue after issue after issue, the culture and fabric of this country. We're gonna talk more about this, a lot about this in 2020, because there are, you know, it's kind of one of those things when you look at all the data, all the evidence, not just political theory, political facts. Democrat policies make people poor. Democrat policies make cause unemployment. Democrat policies of raising the minimum wage to a point that companies can't pay it. So companies end up shutting down, restaurants shut down, businesses shut down. So there are no jobs. Democrat policies create poverty. They create hatred of this country. They deliberately create racial tension. The idea in America that we're looking at not just a booming economy, but a growing strength of America's military, a growing reassertion of the beauty and greatness of America's ideas, the founding ideas of what our country is. We're looking at that and what the American left has to offer in every candidate they're talking about running is a profound disdain for the ideas and values of America. It doesn't matter who wins the Democrat Party's nomination. They're all the same. The left has lost its tethering, it's lost its rooting to the ideas of America. And the only way, just like the only thing the Iranian terrorists can learn from is brute force, the only way 
the, the radical left in this country, the only way the Democrat Party, which has been taken over by the radical left, will learn, will change, or respond is to be flattened at the voting booth in 2020. That's our job. Voting to shut down the poison of the American left. It's atheism. It's just, it's a vicious uh, atheism that attacks Christianity. It's a vicious disdain for America as a good country. We, we're going to have to go through this many times in 2020, but understand that's the election of 2020. You can have a non-America candidate or you can have America and President Trump. Last topic, just a one minute quick topic. Coming up in just a few weeks, on Saturday, January 18th in Washington, there is a women's march. And I want to talk about this because I did, I call this hashtag not my women's march, hashtag feminexit. Please understand what I mean. On my website, again, americanchemytalk.org, homepage under shows, drop down list of links. I put a link there to the goals from the website of the women's march. My closing point to you on that is this. The Women's March has nothing to do with women. The Women's March does not stand for women. The Women's March is simply radical leftism and the left trying to use their endless go-to tactic of tribalism to try to co-opt American women into thinking, well, because I'm a woman and because the Women's March website says that they believe in this, this is what I'm supposed to believe. Please understand this. The Women's March stands for leftism. The same leftism that is poisoning this culture, poisoning this country. The Women's March does not stand for women. So the march in Washington's on the 18th, on a Saturday, January 18th, the very next day, on Sunday, uh, January 19th, there are marches all over this country, in cities and towns all over this country, allegedly women's march. There'd be nothing better for women listening to this show and men listening to point out, not my women's march, their radical leftist ideas have nothing to do with what the Amer women of America believe. I believe that millions of American women think like I do on this show, think like the conservative view is, think like just the basic pro-America, we love our country view, that's where most women are. It's important to call out the deception, the dishonesty of the left in trying to co-opt the women's vote by claiming that they, the Women's March, stand for America's women. They don't. And now my friends, I wanna tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. And this is for the uh, Golden Globe zingers. I got to tell you, um, it was fun to watch, but Ricky Gervais of the Golden Globes connected with America. And why? Main Street America makes the country work, works the long hours, pays the taxes, fights the wars, protects the people as police, firefighters, first responders. Yet the leftist liberal elite mocks mainstream values and despises a president elected by Main Street. Hollywood celebrities have a right to their opinions, but their opinions are no more valid than the opinions of Main Street America, no more valid than Republican and conservative leaders in this country. So when Gervais delivers a message to Hollywood, don't be so full of yourselves, America stood up and cheered on killing evil is good, Soleimani. Soleimani's monstrous evil actions and orders 
are documented. Again, read from, from my website. The Iranian malocracy, not the Persian people, are dedicated to Islamic conquest. America has spent decades in denial of the reality of the Islamic conflict with American freedom. And this has led to appeasement all the way up to Obama's abject sellout to the Iranian regime for a mere 10 year delay in developing nuclear weapons, which to be clear, the Iranians weren't complying with the deal when it was in place. America is overdue for delivering a message to the Islamic conquest world, no. And to be credible, that message has to be backed up by strong action. Trump delivered exactly what was and is needed. As leftism has poisoned the 2020 elections, look at the litany of evil and dysfunction in the wake of leftist controlled cities. Disintegration of the family unit, rising crime, rising poverty, rising homelessness, feces in the street, sad to report, San Francisco, Austin, Texas, other places, decline of law and order through bail reform, abandonment of prosecution of low level crime. The reason there is no moral core to leftism. It's only and always about power. The 2020 elections are about America under God versus anti-American under the American left. And last, not my women's march and exit. do not be taken in by media coverage of women's marches or rallies on January 18th and 19th. These have nothing to do with women per se. They do not represent the views of a majority of American women. They are solely and entirely the product of the, of the organized left peddling lies through group identity politics, often using paid protesters combined with media manipulation. Millions of American women are aligned with America Can We Talk. Spread the word, share this show. And this, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. I'd love to hear from you. Email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. Check out my website. Tune in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Truth about America. Can you hear?